With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? This intro, before we even kick off the episode, because I didn't do an intro before the podcast that we recorded, to give you just some just some info to follow uh, right after this. This will be very short. You'll hear the intro music for Tales from the Hard Side, and then we'll go right into the podcast with Josh Gwynn and Stephen Barton. Real quick, I want to tell you guys I was on episode 28 of Mind Left Body, which is a podcast hosted by uh, Michael Mori. It's uh, We Are Voltron. Uh, please go check that out. That was a very fun podcast to do. Had a, had a blast talking to Michael. And just go, go give his podcast a listen. A listen. Mind Left Body. So go check that out. Like I said, this is uh, an episode with Josh Gwynn, who is part of the Gym City Podcast, and Stephen Barton, who hopefully in the future will contribute in some way or another with the Gym City Podcast. But for now, he is uh, with Red Moth LLC, Close the Hatch, and he's, he's a, just a very cool dude. So glad to have him on this episode is episode 188 188 episodes of tales from the heart side please if you dig what i do please go give uh go review it on itunes and stitcher go give us a like on facebook you can go to the facebook page and go to uh facebook.com slash tells from the hard side podcast Please call the voicemail if you want to leave a voicemail for me, 937-265-2024. Go to Facebook and also give The Izzy Rock a like and go follow me on social media at The Izzy Rock. So guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If this is your first time listening to Tales from the Hard Side, thank you so much. Why don't you contact me on Twitter? And let me know what brought you here. You can contact me at the Izzy Rock on Twitter, or send me an email about coming on the podcast, whether it's Gym City Podcast or Tales from the Hard Side. Email me at Izzy at GymCityPodcast.com. All right, guys, here we go. Uh oh, here comes trouble. Hey, what's up? This is Tom Segura, and you're listening to Izzy Rock. Tales from the Hard Side Podcast. Hey, this is Brendan Walsh, and you're listening to Izzy Rock on Tales from the Hard Side. I'm here with my man Izzy motherfucking Rock, so pay attention. Talk to you by Matt Flavor. So, check yourself before you wreck yourself. These are tales from the hard side, painted so vivid. 
kicking real life stories, not woven or knitted. Izzy Rock brings that rawness to all who listen. Dropping heavy knowledge, knowledge, and sharing some wisdom. Going down that rough road only makes you tougher. It's a beautiful struggle, sometimes we suffer. Let the people know you aren't in this alone. This talk is deep, it cuts down to the bone. No fakeness here, this as real as it gets. Hazardous on the mic, kick it live and direct. Spread that vibe everywhere, all across the globe. The idea's real simple, there's no secret code. Reach out to the people, spread that positive energy. Cause we're all looking for a little bit of serenity. Whatever little part of this planet you live in, these tales from the hard side are now transmitting. Transmitting. What's up, everybody? This is Izzy Rock. I'm here for a Gym City podcast episode, but it's also going to be released uh, possibly in a few other spots. Another spot is Tells from the Hard Side, which is a podcast I do outside of Gym City Podcast. Uh, the other guest I have, the other co-host I have uh, slash guest is uh, Josh Gwynn, who does, does Riffs and Rigs podcast. And today we're recording down at Folio Design House on East 5th Street for the Gym City Podcast. And uh, Josh joined us today. It's Hello. He's been part of the Gym City Podcast for, for a little while now, uh, doing a lot of the behind-the-scenes work for us. The digestive system. Yeah, so he, all the podcasts that get put out, he's kind of responsible for putting those out now and greatly appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And we are joined by former podcast guest, and he, he's involved in a lot of stuff we'll definitely get into. Uh, and he was on an episode of Riffs and Rigs podcast. Mm-hmm. Stephen Barton of Hello. Red Moth LLC. What's up, buddy? Not a whole lot. How are you? I'm good. So uh, you guys want to give your social media and stuff uh, where people can find Riffs and Rigs and social media, Twitter, all that. Uh, Twitter, uh, at Riffs and Rigs. Facebook, Riffs and Rigs podcast. And then, let me try to remember, Libsyn dot Riffs and Rigs. Or it could be the other way around. It's been a minute since I've logged into that. I'm a terrible human being. So. <laughs> I, I would disagree with that. But <laughs> Stephen, where where can people find your stuff? Uh, Red Moth at Red Moth LLC, I believe, on Instagram and Twitter. If I if there's maybe an underscore room between them, I should probably be more prepared for that. But I, I've honestly been less involved in it as as of late. But aside from Instagram, I respond to stuff, but not promoting it very well. Uh, anyways, yeah, same thing. Uh, Red Moth LLC, Facebook, LLC, you know, Twitter, Instagram. I got rid of Vine. I think yeah. he was the only person on it that paid attention to it. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Vine was fun when it first started, but now that all it's all what twelve year olds out there doing it now, it's mm-hmm. not as fun. I think mean, Periscope killed it too. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's all live stuff, right? Periscope. Yeah, you can set everything up complete live stream, and you can if you do enough of. It, I think you can even set it up to time it to release it later. Things. Oh, like okay, that. cool. Oh, that's cool. I did yeah, a yeah. I did a fill in gig for a Ska Shank Redemption up in Chicago at the uh, Midwest Ska Fest, and they did a live stream of the entire. 12 hour concert wow so there's people from ohio like hey you guys did great i'm like what how it's streaming oh (laughs) (laughs) had no idea and it was actually pretty legit production i I can't remember what app was doing it i don't think it was periscope but it was really really impressive if you have like multiple cameras you can run them and there's a couple apps you can run them into and then run them into like Ustream 
and you can run it live with multiple angles and stuff. That's so cool. With like a laptop and a couple of Mm -hmm. GoPros, pretty much. Modern technology rules. It's pretty crazy. But uh, we're kind of moving for Gym City Podcast 2.0 at this point, and um, we're it's kind of like jazz. We just kind of put out what we want when we want. We move in the direction of where where we're going and meeting cool people like both of you guys along the way um and then being able to hear you guys talk on riffs and rigs as a podcast fan being able to hear a little deeper like i i think that what you're doing with riffs and rigs by talking about gear somebody like myself i don't know anything about gear but when i listen to it it really gives me an insight on the passion that you guys have behind your like the geeky stuff mm-hmm. you know as a fan i'm like oh I, I you know i'm just a music fan and i didn't realize all this other behind the scenes stuff when it went oh yeah yeah when you when it comes down to it when you go to a concert and you may see this you know awe-inspiring rock star up there but deep down he's a gear nerd and he spent hours or she even he has spent hours plugging stuff in to see how it colors the sound ever so slightly that most people wouldn't even notice and it's it's stuff that we probably don't even really think about it's just second nature to us and then you know other people it's like man what's what's this outside perspective that people see you know if they go see saint vincent what's all those things she's stepping on you know and she's got this pedal board that's like as tall as me you know um but yeah it's it's it, gear stuff is it's, it's super fun for people who are in it but you know if you know, like you know, if you said you didn't know much about it, you'll hear the passion that we're talking about in it too. So, because I mean, we can go on. Like, I think all right, we went like an hour and a half, something like that. If you take out all the times I peed, yeah, which I did take all <laughs> the times. Good, peed. yeah, really I left did a it running. Job of yeah. editing out all the pee, but it was your fault. I was peeing because you're supplying me with a lot of like, what is it, cucumber water? Yeah, everything, which was delicious. Yeah, cucumber Cuc- water is delicious. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I stole that from the. Uh, uh, sushi place I used to work at. So, <laughs> <laughs> and how you guys can, you guys have probably known each other before. Uh, Stephen, you had him on the podcast. I believe I did. Yes, mm-hmm. I, when he was an Orange Willer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you, you had a podcast that we. I don't think we really touched on a whole lot when you were on the the last episode. We vaguely talked about it, but at the time I was like it's same as now i was having rss feed issues with soundcloud and i'm still in the same position i haven't done another episode since i think i tried to do two or three more and like 18 weeks into what was supposed to be a two-week wait um for the transfer of the 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 rss feed to itunes it was still there like 18 weeks later it was still saying it was pending so maybe they're up there i haven't really looked Uh, (laughs) if they are cool but I've taken everything down off of SoundCloud at this point because it wasn't functioning. So it, there may be something on there. It may not be. I don't know how all that works, but I enjoyed doing it. I kind of got to a point where I was trying to do it a little differently because I was having a hard time getting people and lined up for guests or commitments from people and things of that nature. So then I started to kind of just do more direct, just talking for 20 minutes or whatever about certain things or like, like the Pressfield book or whatever we were getting ready to touch on or whatever. But Eventually, I just kind of got to the point where this is becoming really difficult and it shouldn't be. Yeah. It, was, it was my fault. I should have went with Libsyn initially, which is funny because I recommended it to him, but I went the other direction for some dumb reason. <laughs> yeah, so SoundCloud is one of those things that uh, a lot of people use that you can, you can put a lot of money into and really make it a professional kind of thing. 
but there's so many options as far as releasing podcasts, whether it's Lipson. Uh, I know Gem City Podcasts release it releases through WordPress, mm-hmm. which I tried to look at WordPress and figure that shit that, out, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> dude, I, I'm so confused. Tells from the Hard Side gets released on TalkShoe, uh, which is a free site, but I don't get to see a whole lot of the really deep stats that some of these other spots have. Mm. So like anybody who's out there and you're wanting to start a podcast or you haven't any interest in doing it, just make sure you do a lot of the legwork before you get it up and running. Because a lot of people, they, they're excited about putting their content out mm. and then they, they get it started and then you realize how much work it actually takes to keep it running. And money. And money, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Money, money's a big part. You you put a lot of money into this thing with your equipment and your time and your, you know, just a lot of what you're doing. But you don't, I don't think people realize how much money gets dumped into a lot of podcasts. Oh, yeah. When I when I started doing, I, I thought, oh, yeah, I have all this recording software and a couple of mics. I can just do a podcast. But then it was like started becoming like $800 a month deal you know between hosting and then paying for promotion on facebook which is honestly really good like if you pay for promotion on facebook i got a lot of residual uh stuff from that that i normally wouldn't have got if i just put it out there um but definitely watch what you do i was throwing five or six dollars there but when you do that every other day you realize i just spent 70 dollars this month on facebook advertisement (laughs) that is two good meals for me and my girlfriend that went into Facebook advertisement. So, but you know, there's other ways to get around it. And then also if you have your connectors, you know, having the right people, like one of the people I definitely seeked out when I first started my podcast was, uh, was Todd Widener, uh, from the hotel beds and shrug. He was just here earlier. Yeah. That guy knows everybody. <laughs> and he is extremely well connected and you know, he has great stuff to talk about. So that's also, it was just have stuff that people really want to listen to you know have people who really want to listen to that so so i've had people stop me on the streets like i love your podcast and i'm like who who are you i don't i don't know who you are how do you know me it's it's a it's an audio thing so yeah the sponsorship aspect of putting it on facebook is a weird one because you know for one it's money coming out of your own pocket Mm -hmm. You don't with, with podcasts. It's hard to make any money from it, mm-hmm. and so you end up dumping a lot of your money into it. How how does the Facebook thing work? And how many people did you notice your downloads jump when mm-hmm. you did that? Tremendously, um, and that, and that's another thing. Um, a side note is once you get stats, uh, don't don't consume the stats too much, or it will be your life. Yeah. Like I got to a point where I was checking every hour. Oh wow! And I would oh I got one more. I got one more. And it was like it was like I'm I'm a really sad sad human being when it comes to that and so uh, but when it comes to that like yeah you would see things boost um, because Libsyn also gives you what browsers they're listening out of or what you know if, whether it's iTunes or if it's off of this stuff it's off of that stuff uh, which is really handy and then um, but yeah I would basically you just link your debit card on your like page because obviously if 
you know, you guys have been on the backside of a like page rather than your typical just regular profile. There's a lot more information they give you yeah. and they keep you, they coach you kind of digitally to keep posting stuff and everything else. But uh, you just link it in there and then you can kind of decide if you want to target demographic, if you want to, you know, or if you just want people that were friends of friends to see this post or vice versa. And then it'll show up in the sponsored ad, even if they don't like your page. And then you'll see people kind of go to that page. But yeah, you, you get a lot of good residual just from five bucks, you know. But I'd never done that stuff because I was always uh, in bands that had a like page, and there was no way in heck I was tying my debit card <laughs> with somebody else with the trigger, you know. <laughs> it right. just wasn't going to happen. So now it's all me. Okay, it's a little bit safer, but yeah. But you can calculate all up to even a hundred thousand dollars and see what you know could do it. But I just threw five bucks at it at a t- you know at a time per episode usually. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's how I found out about Riffs and Rigs and Miami Valley Skeptics, which is another local podcast that I really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, those two I found out about because of the spon- you know, the whole sponsor thing on Facebook. And I think it's a weird time for media, whether it's bands, whether it's po- podcast, uh, on for social media, you stumble across people that you might not know, and it leads you to this rabbit hole of like hey this person's cool so you start following them on facebook twitter or instagram and you kind of get to know people's personality Mm -hmm. and uh i had when i had steven come on for gym city podcast before like you know i was able to go on and check out red moth on on social media but to really dig in and find out you were doing video you Mm. were doing some uh, interviewing in Nashville, like you, your your scope of what you were into, as far as bands like Close the Hatch, like is so diverse, and the things that you're into are so diverse. Uh, go ahead and let listeners know some of the some of the projects that you have going on, and where people can find that stuff. Okay, um, well, Red Moth LLC, like as we mentioned before. Uh, Facebook is the main place. Facebook and Instagram are really where I'm focusing stuff lately. Again, I, I've been pretty lazy with Twitter, ultimately. I, I I wish there was a way to get more out of it. I guess I don't understand it enough. And I also, every time I read all the stuff you've got to do to make it work, I don't want to do any of this. It's just, I would much rather pay someone to do it, <laughs> which is an option, but I haven't gotten that far into it yet. But anyways, on Facebook, you'll see if I have like records coming out on the label uh, or filming stuff or podcasts i think i put stuff up for the pot this podcast right now Mm -hmm. um i just put out this terra electric record which i gave you guys a copy of i should have brought more of them i didn't think about it oh you're fine uh anyhow that just came out and then i last year i did three episodes of a documentary series and then uh, i had a daughter and that slowed that down for a bit traveling money things of that nature and then trying to think um Close the Hatch uh, is putting out a record, which is kind of what led us to this interview. I'm trying to think what all I have done. A lot, actually. Yeah, a lot. Too much. Yeah, and you, and you guys, speaking of Close the Hatch, you guys had some drama that popped up in in the Dayton area as far as your equipment. and Yes. Yeah. Let's touch on that a little bit because uh, I, I saw the Facebook post. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that Dayton bands share spaces a lot of us do yeah we're all in the same building so yeah mm-hmm. for the most part there's two or three 
buildings, main buildings people rent out in Dayton for rehearsal spaces. And, and sometimes two or three bands share one room because it's more cost effective. And sometimes, you know, it may not be that, but the, the people you also, like other musicians, you know, like Night Beast is downstairs from us and Deuterus is down the hall from us. Uh, all those guys, we're all in the same facility. So I don't know. We all kind of, unf- the good part of it is that there's good nature and good intention behind it. We all have faith in one another and trust one another enough not to let something stupid happen. But that's kind of our problem is that we trusted everyone in the building to have access to these different areas and things. And that kind of bit us in the ass. I mean, people, somebody we know, obviously, which we have kind of dwindled it down to a few people, but no, there's no definitive proof, but it seems to be that's the case. Someone we know just when we weren't there walked into our rehearsal space, took everything in it, everything in it, and you know, fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars worth of stuff, and walked out with it. And that was the end of it. I mean, we haven't gotten any of it back yet. And the police, I, I, I hate to say it to be shitty, but they don't care. They're not interested. Not interested. No. I, I had a car broke. I've had a couple cars broken into when I actually lived in the city of Dayton. And the most frustrating thing was realizing that it happens more than you think it does. No, oh, yeah. To the point where they're like, "Just file with your insurance, man. You're probably not, like, you're probably not gonna. We're not gonna find the people that do this." Mm-hmm. Well, the sad part about it was just that we were one of, I would say, six or seven different bands that same weekend that had stuff stolen. There were posts all over from people getting stuff stolen. Whether it was connected or not, it was pretty coincidental. And then there was what, like a little festival down here that weekend too. Mm-hmm. And there was stuff getting stolen and like in public getting stolen. So, yep. yeah, there was a, one of the Rasta bands, uh, was it uh, Johnny Dredd and the Mystics? That's yeah. He had a, a JA 90 Telecaster just like mine got ganked. I'm like, that sucks, man. And then that's my biggest fear. It's actually, I mean, I love Dayton. It's a great place to be, but this is one of the reasons I moved out of the downtown area. It was like, I mean, I got all this gear and stuff, and you know, I have insurance on it, but I just couldn't. I couldn't sleep at night, honestly, because I always thought. I mean, right here in South Park, because uh, I thought, sure, somebody's going to kick in my door, and it was an old house; would have been very easy to do. Uh, I tried to keep everything out of sight, but I mean, I was just like, my life would be over if I lost even half this stuff, you know. And uh, but then I, I, I eventually just like ah, moved out to Yellow Springs and actually ended up being a tad cheaper. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't have to worry as bad. Now, that doesn't mean that it won't happen. Doesn't mean I leave my stuff in my car. Doesn't mean, you know, I leave things unlocked. But it's less light. At least I sleep better at night, you know. Yeah. Plus, the way my apartment's set up, you would really have to. You'd have to do some damage to that door to get in there. <laughs> and, and talk and listen to your podcast. You like you guys. It's not just anything you can go and buy at the store. Usually, this is stuff that is usually a collector's item. Mm-hmm. You might have modded some of the stuff. It uh, some of the stuff could be rare that you guys got taken. Right? I had a, a, I had a guitar that was literally the only one that exists. So uh, it was a, it's a Fender like Esquire baritone that I I had built out of actual fender parts but it was the only one there is there's not there's not another one you could you wouldn't find another one googling it online or anything unless someone else made something similar but you would not find that guitar again and i I, even with having like serial numbers and parts and stuff and that that one's the only thing honestly i think 
for the most part, a lot of our stuff wasn't made. We didn't keep track of it very well. And we had a lot of stuff that everyone can kind of get their hands on, like certain types of cabinets and amps that are so super commonplace that who's to say where it came from. And, and I don't know. It, we definitely had some stuff that was irreplaceable. All of it was theoretically. I mean, it's thousands of dollars of our money. None of us are rich. <clears throat> Me personally, I was. I took out a small loan last year, like around. I don't know. After income tax, I took out my income tax, obviously, and then I took a little bit more money out and bought some stuff for my company, and then I put some money into buying a couple of nicer amps and stuff that I was after, which was not too long after that that I talked to him about having all this stuff that it was stolen. So. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm still paying on it, so I'm paying for something I don't own anymore and can't use it, and I still have to pay for it for the next six months, Jesus. like 150 bucks a month or something. That's rough. Wow, dude. If you're listening and you have that stuff, you are a total jerk. Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah that, that's, the, that's the troubling thing, man. You want to trust people, and you want people, you want to build a community, but that trust gets devastated when any shit like this happens. Yeah. And it's weird because because we're all kind of knit together. You'll see that there are certain people that aren't really interested in talking about other ones when stuff like this happens, especially when you kind of like, – like I said, we kind of have an idea who it is, but when we start approaching other people about it, they're like, no, mm, get into it. But like, it's kind of like we're all friends, and if this happened to you, I would want you to you know, get your stuff back because I know you – you work at the gas station or whatever you spent two thousand dollars on this thing that was probably four or five months rent for you Mm -hmm. and i would want you to get your stuff back or at least speak up if i knew somebody that might know something about it but that's the downside to our situation is every one of us probably knows somebody that knows where our stuff is and then they're not saying it which has made me i've never in that building i've never been there all the time i'm just there for rehearsal and stuff but there for a while there's a period where we were all hanging out all the time and just coming and going and stuff and oddly enough when it got to the point where none of us were really doing that anymore that's when stuff got stolen but i've never been that attached to being in the building all the time because i have other stuff going on but not to say it's be snide or anything i'm just i'm busy so i'm not hanging out just messing around in there when it's i don't have time for it those guys, uh, to me, ultimately, it affected how I approached even being in the building. Now, now when I have rehearsal, I carry everything in and carry everything out, which I shouldn't because we're all paying for rent and we should feel safe in there. But the one thing I hate doing is lugging around gear. It's the worst part of being a musician. And now I'm doing it every rehearsal. So I'm just coming and going, which is fine. I mean, but I pay for a place that's assumably supposed to be safe, along with the other eight guys that share this room. They all should feel like... It's fine. We're paying money into this. There's locks on it. We shouldn't have to worry about it. We know everyone in this building. But that's that's not the case. I mean, it's unfortunate. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It was pretty devastating the first week or so. And it's one of those things. I, I don't know. I, it's anything that you really love or care about. If you like, if say if you got like a brand new car and the day you got it, somebody stole it or destroyed it or you got into a car accident, you may have the ability to replace it. You may not. In our case, a lot of us were too stupid to have insurance, so we're all just effed. I mean, it's we all had to rebuy things, and we're kind of settling on things that aren't quite as nice as what we had before because we don't have the money to replace it, things of that nature. But you kind of you kind of run into a situation where you just kind of feel like everything you work for is gone, like mm-hmm. you have nothing to show for it. In a good way, it kind of brought us all together, which was kind of weird. We all got a little closer and paid more attention to what the other people were doing and what was missing this and that and and we all started communicating more and hanging out more and most of it's 
goofily enough is all through facebook there's like two group messages that are like 10 people wide just about that one topic i think two months into it that topic quickly changed to anything else that was not that topic some guys really hung on to it and still if they see something pop up on craigslist that might be a a point towards us they say something which is fine i'm glad that there's still people looking but i have a pretty distinct feeling that whoever got the stuff moved it quickly and they moved it out of state oh wow so i don't think we're going to see any of it if we do it may be on ebay but like i said there's only one or two items that would really pop off like we know for sure like uh, jeff newell that makes amps here one of the amps that was stolen was his there's not another one on earth like it's just that one so he handmade it it's got his name on it it even has his name like on it like screwed into it and there's no other amp that it would look that way and it was handmade for a dude in one of the other bands and then my guitar which he helped me put together as well which was a custom deal there's only one of those so those two items i know for sure if they ever pop up somewhere then they're ours i mean it's not a not a question but the rest of the stuff is so hit or miss that anyone could have something similar and maybe even somebody we know has it and we are looking at it already and don't know it you know which is the unfortunate nature but and i don't think any of us pay enough attention to who's got what new and whatnot because we just trust each other and we shouldn't have to be in a situation where we're skeptical of another person's belongings and where did this come from and things of that nature i don't know it sucks i it's really not much you can say about it i mean i could go on and on and on about it i don't want to waste your time with it it's it's unfortunate i'm 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 bummed that out of there is obviously someone that knows one of us that knows exactly where it is who had it and then that's the that's the awful part is someone knows that's in the group of friends we have that isn't willing to step up because they don't want that other person to get in trouble or yeah and and i don't i get the anti-stitch mentality but in that situation like I would do, I would feel a little more obligated to be like, well, you're kind of with these people when you did something terrible and don't screw you. Like you, you would do the same thing to me if it came down to it. Yeah, no doubt, dude. And um, recently, if you guys are fans or listeners of the band The Loveless, who uh, we had them on a Gem City podcast before, and they were great dudes. And their thing burnt down. Yeah, they went on tour and were traveling across country, and all of a sudden on on Facebook they posted a picture of this trailer on fire <laughs> and um, you know stuff like that like like you said a lot of the people that make music especially in the Dayton area are not just these wealthy people who can just go out and just spend as much as they want on equipment like this is months of hard work probably working in a job they can't stand <laughs> uh, to, to play music and, and it make music where a lot of times you're not making any money doing what you're doing it's all just a passion project for a lot of people and uh to see theirs to see what happened to you guys to see their stuff caught on fire like there's a lot of personal stuff that goes behind stuff like that um have you ever had any any issues like what the loveless did you you either josh have you guys ever had anything where something like that happened uh i've never had anything burn i've had friends that's had stuff burn like they've lost like a practice space and then had it um like had insurance and stuff and had it replaced but me personally no knock on wood um but i've 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 definitely broken a lot of stuff (laughs) and permanently damaged a lot of stuff Um, and and didn't you leave a a guitar in a car and it 
warped or something? Yeah, I still got to get that fixed. Um, actually, it's currently still in that car. Um, <laughs> it's there right now. But I left a uh, Telecaster in the pit guard. has bubbled up quite a bit because of the heat we've had this summer. And also, it's just a shitty old car with the, you know, no ceiling, no nothing. No, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've damaged plenty of stuff. I think you've had other stuff stolen. Yeah. That's like you, unfortunately. <laughs> really? Uh, as far back as I can remember, I've had random things stolen. We used to play at this place called the Fisherman's Club in Trenton when I was like 14 uh, until like after high school. Then it kind of wasn't cool there anymore. But you play shows and come in there with a pedal and in your set, someone would snag it and run. Like there's always been that stuff. It's always and it in those situations you knew who it was, but this yeah I haven't had. I've had other things stolen. Like a week after all our gear was stolen, someone broke into my car when I was in Indianapolis and stole my cell phone and some change. And <laughs> the the, hell, man? where it gets better is that well, was two weeks ago now the guy who stole my phone called me. Oh yeah, oh, it's, oh, this is a, this is a, actually it's sad that it happened to you, but great story. Yes. The guy, so I was in Indianapolis working, uh, d- making a delivery, and I went in, on my lunch break, I walked into Sam Ash Music Store, I was in there maybe 15 minutes, and I came back out, and someone had broken into my work vehicle and stole the cell phone and all the change and stuff that was in there. So, I called the police, the police tell me it's going to be like 30 to 45 minutes before they'll even show up to take the police report, and I was at work, so I couldn't wait, so I had to leave. Well, then you have like the thing on iPhone where you can track the phone. Well, whoever had it and never acted, like they never turned it back on because that is set to erase as soon as they turned it back on or got on Wi-Fi. Well, then like a month goes by, a little over a month, and then two weeks ago I get a thing on my phone that says, oh, your phone is now being erased. I was like, okay. So that night I start getting calls from this Indianapolis number, and I don't answer it because I, I didn't put those two things together. So the guy leaves me a voicemail, and he's like, hey, I got your phone, but uh, it won't activate because it's been blocked or erased or whatever. Can you call me back? Oh, like, oh, no. So I called, and it was a different story then than it became. Like, the guy told me, I bought your phone from this other dude who stole it. And this may still be very possible. But, however, he was like, I'll pay you $200 to unlock your phone so I can resell it. And he's like, well, if you want to come back and buy your phone off of me, then you can come do that. And I was like, well, I don't live in Indianapolis, first of all, so I, I can't just like jump over there and pay you for a phone that's mine. Which technically, you've received stolen property, so you may want to rethink this negotiation. Uh, and then he was like, well, I'll give you $200 to unlock the phone. Okay, well, then he tells me he's PayPal'd me this $200. Never, ever happened. He's never made an effort to do so couple days go by i'm asking why haven't you done this because i've got the phone blocked still and then he's like i sent you the money unlock the phone no i'm not doing that and then eventually he just got to the point where he was just like i sent you the money you aren't you know i you know i gotta come through this and I i finally was like look dude you didn't send me money i'm not unlocking the phone technically you're receiving stolen property i had to call the police again and then they were like got the thing all the information for me and then because i'm not stupid and like googled his phone number and it brought me to his facebook page <laughs> so then i started just texting him by his name and like i know where you live and i know where you work because you're dumb and you put it all online and you you didn't you run a cell phone store supposedly but you didn't use a 
crappy phone number to call me you used your personal line dummy so now i know who you are where you live what you do what your business name is all that stuff so i just turned over the police but again police don't care they're not interested they're assigning a detective to my case this has been two weeks ago now and every time i call he's like yeah i'm looking into it like how how are you you just have to call the guy or go to where yeah. this address is and we're done and you're like, oh, well, it's difficult. I'm, like, I'm sure there's red tape, but you can literally just go there and ask a guy a question. Because uh, he's still, like, I still have his stuff in here, but I'll message him and he'll read it and then start to respond. Or, like, he'll send me a giant paragraph about all these things that have happened and leading up to him not being able to give me the money. But at the same time, he'll tell me he gave me the money. Like, uh, just keep the phone. <laughs> It's just goofy to go a month without the thing, and then some, the person who stole it, I think I've gotten to the conclusion that he's who stole it to begin with. Yeah. Because he's got real weird once the police got involved, and then like once I figured out who he was, he deleted his Facebook and like oh, did all this stuff. So all the ducks are in a row for him to be the guilty party. Either way, I, I kind of like, I'm not going to get this from you. I'm not going to get the phone back from you. I'll either move it by that time or you're not going to give me the money and why are you blackmailing me on something you stole from me like i'm not going to help you you stole from me and now you're wanting me to do something to do a favor for you it's a little weird it was a strange situation yeah man you should give him a bad yelp review yeah right yeah he deleted all of his stuff he deleted okay. his business thing like his facebook he deleted his twitter like, oh man that's totally yeah he's got to be the guy yeah right yeah yeah because any shop owner in that like pawn shop i mean they take in stolen stuff all the time yep. they're not oh i gotta delete my pawn shop it's not no. happening i think that's the guy and when you run a place like that as i only found this out because all of our stuff got stolen pardon me if they're legit they have to actually register anything that comes in with the police for the uh, possibility that it was stolen mm-hmm. so they have to give them so much notice and they have to run it through whatever their database is and compare it and see if it is a stolen item if it's not so on and so forth i don't know where the money goes in that situation or how the police handle that i just even when i worked for a guitar center years back if somebody stole something and sold it to us they would just give it back to the owner i don't know where the money would go i guess they just write it off but either way like there's a process and there's a way to track all this stuff so if they were a legitimate business to begin with he would have had to have gone through that process and registered it you know, with the police as this might be a, a stolen item, so on and so forth. They, they never did any of that, and I, I don't know that he even actually had a business as much as he created a Facebook page, which anybody can do. Yeah. Like, you, any three, like right now, between the time we finish this thing, we could all start 20 businesses on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. no doubt. Now, you, uh, you have a bank called Close the Hatch. I do, yeah. Uh, let's, let's talk about the release that you guys got coming up like where you guys recorded it let's let's talk about the whole process of it um well we started well last time i was here we had just about a year ago we had just released a a record it was like a two-part ep thing we'd released that and recorded it with uh, micah who was at that time in hawthorne heights at his place in troy uh and then a year went by we toured on that and had a couple of members come and go things of that nature and then about this same time last year we i kind of started compiling demos for this whole other thing and then whole new record so on it's normal stuff with bands you start writing songs and whatnot and in this situation demoed a handful of things i think i demoed like 10 songs early on that i thought were going to be the next thing and then 
as the year kept progressing, I was not feeling very motivated with that. I wasn't getting any ideas for that project, so I thought, well, this is that. Those are the songs for when I really start messing with it again. Then, at some point, I started coming up with all these other things, and then I was like, well, this is better than that. So I deleted a whole record and never used it. It's gone in the ether, and then started over again on this other thing. And this is all very rambly and stupid sounding. <laughs> Ultimately, we got it down to where we had like six songs or something six rough ideas we were going to work start working on and now that's become eight uh and uh since i run the label i was trying to think of ways of how to do the record and maybe distance ourselves from the label a little bit and not make it so much as i'm in the band i'm putting my own record out i'm doing it which is fine everyone does that now at the independent stuff is fine and the self-promotion thing is very normal with bands now and I'm, I'm perfectly fine with it and i've done plenty of it and i'm probably continue to do it but the for me i wanted somebody else to be involved and i wanted somebody else to maybe have a little bit of the money problem yeah and <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> and maybe take on a little more of the responsibility but somebody that i thought would believe in the project and i gave them the opportunity to say yes or no and things of that nature so i reached out to another label uh, there's a label called Empty Glass Records out of Charleston, West Virginia, which if you know anything about that area, if you don't, the Char- in Charleston, on the I guess it's the east side of Charleston, there's a venue called the Empty Glass that's been there for probably 75 years, and they just, they've had it every band from little bands to big bands, so on and so forth, have came through there over the years. It's a pretty world-known place. Well, they, this past, I think it was this year or two years ago, they started a label where they they set up a in-house studio where when bands would come play live they'd record them and give them the option to buy the recording or whatever or if they liked it enough they would pay and have that recording pressed to vinyl or put out so they did that a few times and i saw that they were doing vinyl and stuff for other bands and i basically just reached out and said hey we're working on this record and would you be interested in putting it out and then he's like well yeah, yeah yes or no <laughs> but we came to an agreement on it, but it's a the record ended up turning into a concept thing, uh, and so then they got involved. So now we have this guy. For every song on the record, uh, there will be artwork and a page and a book dedicated to this whole thing. So there's a guy drawing a book, like doing this whole uh, hardbound book for everything to do with the process of the recording and the stories behind the songs, and uh, there's like character play and stuff of that nature. Uh, that he's kind of created out of these songs. And then we have toys coming out for it too, which... Not toys? Yeah, like uh, doing these resin mold toys. They'll be a limited thing. And then, uh, I'm trying to think, CDs, vinyl, those sorts of things. But because we're doing it with someone else, like I'm only handling so much of it and we're only paying for so much of it, they're kind of carrying the weight when we have an obligation to tour on it and stuff. None of these things are answering your question, and I'm sorry. No, kind of, yeah, no, you're doing good. Um, anyways, yeah, we we went to record uh, this stuff with uh, Micah again, and we've been doing that off and on for, I think, four months now, here and there. Uh, and when all our stuff got stolen, and I had ran, like, a crowdsourcing thing for the label beforehand, because we were trying to build up money for the podcast, all the stuff with the label, and you guys had promoted it for me a few times. The money we raised from that, and then after our stuff was stolen paid for us to pay for the recording and stuff of that nature so it helped and actually thank you for doing that because we wouldn't have had the money to pay for that we we had a a dilemma there because we had all these things happening and everything was moving forward then all our stuff got stolen so it was like okay we're not going to be able to do this record we're not going to be able to do 
tour. We're not going to, all these things just kind of came to a halt. So we were able to use that money and just, and borrow things from people around the area to be able to go back and actually finish the record. And if for, in some way, I think it turned out different because of that. We had to kind of improvise in a lot of ways to make it come out different. We didn't have time to rehearse some of the songs because we didn't have any gear. So we had to go and kind of rehearse them and record them on the fly. And that kind of, that was a cool experience. But Probably a different experience than what you're normally used to, huh? Yeah, in a, in a way, I think my our last release was done in a similar fashion, but with obviously less drama, but it was just, for whatever reason, we weren't rehearsing very often, and I had already written this batch of songs, and it was just, I can, because of technology, I can take all the whole record and kind of remove the drums from it, the fake drums that I'll put on it with V drums or whatever, and then I can go in and use that as a template for the actual drummer to play on the record. And on that one, I split the, split the job between two different drummers just to get the record, recording finished. So we went in, and they listened to the song a handful of times the day before or whatever, and then just recorded it, and we would go back and edit things if it was weird or if something they did was cooler than what was on, and we would make it work. And it's similar to this situation, but we had some time to rehearse the material and we'd all had time to sit with it and listen to it before all our stuff was stolen. It was just an issue of like, are we going to try to push through this situation? Are we going to wait a year? Or are we going to do this? And I, I kind of felt like, uh, I don't feel like, and then they can, they're, none of them are here, which they were supposed to be, but they all had stuff come up. <laughs> but uh, uh, one of them actually had a legitimate thing and the other guy's working and the other one is somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Good for them. Um, I, I don't. I'm not worried about it. But no, no doubt, man. Well, and uh, you do on a podcast anyway. And uh, I want to transition into uh, the, like we talked a little bit about the podcast uh, book called War War of Art. Anyway, uh, something called Resistance. That actually is the the records concept. Is that so? Is uh, it really? Yeah, okay. we can tie that whole thing together. Okay. Nice. And uh, Josh, are you familiar with uh, Stephen Pressfield's book War War of Art? I've not read. I do know of it. I've not read it or anything. I think you've mentioned it a couple times to, for as a as something to read, or you've suggested it to me. I should say. Yeah, as uh, as a podcast fan, Joe Rogan talked about it for a long time, uh, a, co- a few years ago, and I'm a big Joe Rogan Experience podcast fan. And so I stumbled, and just just like you, I was like, oh, I'll get to it, you know. But it it talks about resistance that. Anybody who has business, anybody who's in art, really anybody who has some sort of project that they do, it really speaks to that person. How do you, how do you not have resistance in your life to, to do something? Mm-hmm. Whether it's start an album, whether it's starting a podcast, whether it's doing anything that you're, you're doing, you stumble ac- across resistance. Uh, and so you sent me the file for the book. And it was based, uh, Stephen sent me the bu- file for the book, but it was based on his iTunes account, so I couldn't actually listen to yeah. it. So I, I, I actually ordered it from Amazon. It's, it's pretty cheap if you get a used copy. Um, and I tore through that book mm. because it does speak to you as somebody who creates stuff or somebody who puts stuff out. It really speaks to uh how to look at those things in your life, how to look at the roadblocks, what's stopping you, what barriers do you have, 
what what did you take away from the book, Stephen? Well, I still listen to it like once a month. I'll because I I have the physical version, but I bought the audio thing because it's two hours, and I I can I make a lot of long commutes. So, well, once a month I'll listen to it again, and it, it kind of picks me back up to start. But uh, essentially, that it's you're you are kind of just making an excuse for yourself. <laughs> yeah, always. <laughs> essentially, the whole book is that like if you're not doing that, just because like if you're not doing this thing you want to do because you have a kid or you have a job or you, if you really wanted to do it you would make time for it and you'd get it done like and you would even if it's 30 minutes a day you'd get up an hour earlier two hours earlier you would do that thing then do the rest of the things you have to do the, the Pressfield's like real big early in the book about he has a ritual he gets mm-hmm. up and he recites this thing from the muses and then he'll write for an hour and he'll eat. He'll come back and write for an hour. And that's his day. He's put in his time. Even if he does nothing beyond that point, he's done his creative thing for the day. And at some point that will add, even if he accomplishes nothing that day, that nothing will help tomorrow or mm-hmm. later in the day when another idea pops into his head. Because if he hadn't have started the process, he would be worried about what he's going to eat or you know, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. I, I think at one point he describes taking an, taking all of his clothes out and organizing all of his clothes. And anybody who does anything creative where you'll say, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll start it next week. Next month, we'll get it going. Hey, next year, I'm sure we'll come across this thing. We'll finally get it done. And then along the way, you find yourself changing your, uh, reorganizing your whole clothes. Or you find some sort of reason not to do what it is that you inside of you, this creative spirit or entrepreneurial stuff that you want to get involved in or even if you're out there and you want to start a podcast and you're like i like listening to podcasts i have a voice but i'll I'll do it next week i'll start the process next week um that that resistance that gets everybody Mm. like when you when you read this if you're a creative person it will speak to you and it will bring out your excuses of why you're doing what you're doing and then you have to look at yourself in the mirror and go, okay, I guess you're right. Okay, now, like he, like you said, he has a routine. He has a habit of what he does. Like, do do either of you guys have a habit that you get into or where you make yourself do something even if you don't want to do it? Mm-hmm, all the time. Like, what examples? Examples. I mean, it, it even comes down to just like, you know, simple, like, like when I was doing the podcast more often, you know, like there'd be days, like as much as I love podcasting, like, man, I, I don't want to re-listen to this thing again. I'll just put it off for a day. And it was like, nope, when I put it off for a day, it gets put off even longer or it, it doesn't make it any easier to do, you know, I, I, I'm better off just getting it done and over with. And, you know, these are things that I want to do. These are, you know, I don't want to work my normal job. <laughs> and I'm still giving myself resistance or, like, you know, I'm getting into other forms of media and different things. And then, you know, the other day I, I wanted to go out and shoot some stuff. Um, not shoot, like, with a camera, yeah. not with a gun. <laughs> um, you know, I just wanted to go out and just do a nature hike and just get some just generic stock footage of just plants and animals and just different things like that. And then I was like, eh, what if I wait later? What if I wait later? What if, and these, these are things I wanted to do. I thought about all day the day before when I couldn't do it. And now I'm faced with it. I'm ready to go do it. And I live half a mile from a state park. <laughs> 
Like, I don't have to drive anywhere. And I'm like, oh, just no, get. I'll actually talk to myself. My girlfriend knows I'm crazy, and I'll just be like, get the fuck up and just do it. And I do, and I, and I feel better about it. And, and it's just like, you know, I have to do the things in my normal day job. I have to do those other, you know. And I, I used to be real bad about. I used to work at a record shop, and I and I did not like alphabetizing. Like, and it was the worst job for somebody who doesn't like alphabetizing. And I would put that stuff off, and then that would become like a mass amount of records that need to be done rather than doing them in small increments and stuff. So, yeah. So no, I, I, and I give in to resistance way too often, you know, like I'm, I'm real bad about it. So like, I gotta, I gotta push forward and, you know, do things and I'll catch myself. And that's a relationship I build with like some of my friends is like, if you see me doing it, be honest, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna offend me. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to take it, you know, so if you know, like some people are like, you know, you're being lazy. Okay, you're you're absolutely right. <laughs> I need to get off my ass and do this. So no, it happens. Uh, you know, I've been working out lately. Like I've really let that go off to the side and gained quite a bit of weight between drinking and not doing anything. Um, yeah, I got to get back on that. So that's something I've, you know, I, I, I went to a gym finally after maybe a year and a half of not going to a gym because of resistance. So, you know, I didn't want to make a 25-minute drive because I live in the middle of nowhere. No, that's not an excuse. If you want to be healthy, you got to go do stuff. So, yeah. With your state park thing, you can walk everywhere. I can. You, yep. There's that. Yeah, and I do. And I'm still getting fat. <laughs> yeah. I'm still getting fat. And I walk two or three miles just in a given day. I'm still getting fat. Well, Henry Rollins, I, I know he has a great... Um, diet and exercise program that i think is so simple but it's the whole resistance thing Mm -hmm. it's so simple that it's eat less move more Mm -hmm. and uh it it is that simple stuff like just start it Mm -hmm. just do it because once you start it you know like writing i hear that if writers if they just sit down even Mm -hmm. if you don't have anything to write about just start writing Mm -hmm. things will come to you uh what 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 examples do you have? Uh, music does not work that way. Uh, if you sit down with a goal to write a song, unless someone's paying you, I find it very hard to, like, I'm really going to come from a genuine place here because you have to think, like, okay, what do I want to say? If you just sit down and just write, yeah, something will pop up. That happens. Or if I just sit down and I'm not paying attention, but I play guitar and watch TV, something will happen. I'll hear something. Mm-hmm. Now I've got something. So that that in itself is correct, but... The problem I have is if someone tells me I want you to write a song and it needs to be in this key, which is, I don't work in Nashville, so it's really isn't that big of a problem for me. <laughs> but they actually have itineraries where they get like, oh, we want a song at this BPM, we want it, want it to sound like this, we kind of want it to be this. Well, like, I, can, I could do it, but I feel like it would not be very genuine, which I don't feel that most of that stuff is very genuine, but they're just doing their job. Either way, not to digress from it, in music it doesn't really work that way for me, but in finishing a project like promotional stuff for this record or or like when I was doing the film thing the press field thing is why I did it because I got like I kept reciting to myself all these goofy things that he says in there and then like or certain points of the book he'll go through like how he ruined relationships with people and and wives left him and all this stuff it was because he was talking about doing all these things he was not doing and he was just becoming a miserable asshole 
not doing these things and everyone was just like, I don't want to be around you. you you're bumming me out or whatever. It, I found that like, okay, I'm doing that same thing, but I could like during the process of those documentaries, I started getting up an hour earlier than I normally have to get up and I'd spend that hour working on that stuff. And if I didn't get to it again that day or for a couple of days, other than just that hour before I went to work, then fine. And, but it, over time I got it completed because I made myself get up. And even though I hated every minute of it and, and became interested in coffee as a result, like now I'm hooked on coffee, but the same thing. I, I think if you don't, if you don't, we kind of talked about this last time I was here. There's a lot of things that people will set in front of them and then never accomplish or spend more time talking to you about what they're going to do versus yeah. what they're going to do. And everyone's capable of beating all these things, the resistance thing. Some people don't want to. They really don't because it's, it's easier not to. It's easier just to be like, yeah, I probably could. And that's the end of that discussion. You don't have to explain yourself or whatever. Or at some point, they feel like it's easier to explain to you in great detail why they're not doing something versus just doing it. And I'll have, like, I've had it recently, I had a situation where somebody was asking me for a phone number. I give them like four times in the course of a week. And they're, can you send it to me again? But where conversation was still open, it was digital. So you could scroll back up, see the number. Because I could do it, and it was like two thumb things. Mm-hmm. It's like just scroll up, see the number, call it. I'm like, can you send it again? No, <laughs> I'm done sending it. Four times is enough. Scroll up, use this device that has given you the ability to re re go back through things. Mm-hmm. But it was it was literally something like that. Like I just I feel like it's kind of made me a dick in a way because it's like why why are we having this? We're having this weird discussion about can you just do this for me when I've already done it ten times? Can you? Oh, like it just mm-hmm. you're making me make an excuse for you now uh, which I've done myself I've done that my whole life at different points and I still do it even with reading this book and having all this stuff knowing in my mind like this is not like Pressfield would not approve <laughs> but at the same time like he kind of goes into that like you'll falter you will falter Always. because you have to it, the only way for you to pick yourself back up is to fall down so he doesn't really say it in that way, but it's kind of the point he's making. You'll be times where you don't do shit you know you should be doing, even though you accomplished a lot previously. And now, like, when he talks about riding Bagger Vance, and then after that he didn't do anything for a long time, and when he would do stuff, it would fail. Like, he did a King Kong movie, and it was, that was a before Bagger Vance. But he did King Kong, and it was a failure. And then he didn't do anything for a long time. But then he started doing it again, and then the next thing he did was very famous and successful. The next thing he did after that was, crap, it didn't work. But he also went through periods of like, I'm not going to do anything because I'm pissed that this didn't work for me there or I ruined this relationship with this person. So now I'm pissed off and I'm going to take it out on myself and the rest of the world. I don't know. It, it's, it's weird. I, I started – all these things are relevant to the close the hatch thing, which we can get into. I don't know if you have more points you wanted to add to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, for, for myself personal, personally, doing – three podcasts which uh it looks like on the block might that actual feed might end Mm -hmm. and then we'll just scott will come on and do podcasts on tells from the hard side because i I still feel the need to have a creative outlet outside of jim city podcast and how i started a long time ago uh wanting to do any sort of podcast was that i knew that if I if I did it, it would have to be a continuous thing because the people that I looked up to, that was how they did it. And so it was kind of this groundwork was laid 
to have this stuff get done and get done on a certain day so you release it. And being a father, um, telling my kids to do certain things, you find yourself when you look in the mirror and you're like, you can look at your life and you can see examples where you didn't do those things. Mm -hmm. And I try to be empathetic towards towards my children when it comes to that kind of stuff and, and forgiving when it comes to that kind of stuff. So when things like the podcast or podcast editing, like we after today, I'll have different files that need to be edited. And there's been times in the past where that may wait a week or two before I get done, but the internal clock in my head knows these, has to, these have to get out at a certain time. And I began to realize if I just get it done right away, and they're done, and I don't have to worry about them, they're not nagging on my conscience that you have to get this done, I feel so much better. Oh, yeah. Once it's done and over with, mm-hmm. it feels so much better. Or if you, if you record a bunch of podcasts at one time and then just have them all done so that maybe for three weeks you don't have to do any, do any yeah. sort of podcast stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I, I started finding ways to fight that resistance, especially after I read the book where it was like, oh, he is like talking exactly to me. <laughs> like if there's anybody speaking to me, it's this dude. And uh, even doing as much as I, I do, I find myself saying yes to a lot of things to where I think that if you put your hand in too many pots, it's almost like you're trying to hold up plates where I, I find myself spinning plates. Well, we know, is what, we know what happens with you if you add too many plates, things just come down crashing. Mm. And the quality of things that you're doing don't exactly come out as as much as if you would have focused on this one thing but being people that want to do different things you find yourself if you only did one thing it would be so restricting to you Mm -hmm. and uh like yourself doing close the hatch doing red moth working with other bands as well as uh doing a podcast being a father uh, everybody in this on these mics right now work doing something that they probably don't want to be doing uh they would probably like to be making money doing creative stuff Mm -hmm. i'm not i don't want to speak for either one of you guys i'm speaking more for myself with this one that i go to a job and give give a large portion of my life to do something that has no creative outlet for me and that i hate i hate at times Mm -hmm. But it fuels all the hobbies that, that I have. And, you know, it provides food for the family. But being able to transition into doing, like, wake up and go, dude, I cannot wait to go to work. <laughs> um, you know, I know so many people out there are waking up doing shit that they don't want to do, that, that they hate. Yeah. You know, we, uh, prostitution is illegal, but there, there's a certain certain point where philosophically you look at yourself and you wonder if you're what you're doing is actually a form of prostitution because you're giving your body for doing things that you don't really want to be doing mm-hmm. and you're making money for it yeah um so the close the hatch uh so how long from beginning to end did this record take uh, well still not done so I have two songs left to finish vocal-wise and then uh, for Micah to mix and master it. Then the recording's done. 
then there's the whole this is the most thought out I've ever had mm-hmm. the most work that's ever gone on to records weird as I got someone else involved to take the work away from me now I'm doing just as much work <laughs> In a different way, but I'm doing a lot more of the planning, which I always kind of do a little of, and a lot more of like, we're going to be here on this date, we're going to be there. To say, to be truthful, I do this every record I've ever done. I'm that guy. But in this situation, I'm more so involved because there are deadlines for this book to be turned in, there's deadlines for whatever. Like, instead of just putting out the record, even if it was done tomorrow, like, we don't plan to put a full thing out until sometime next year because it'll give us time to get all this other stuff in a row but then we have we're doing singles and videos and going out of town and filming some things and I'm working with him in a couple weeks to film some other stuff locally and just really putting a package together but uh, once all of that's done sometime next year it's probably beginning of next year the record will actually come out and be available in all the formats but prior to that, there'll be videos and stuff, I think, leading up to that. I'm trying to at least get two of those done before the new year, or at least close to the new year. Um, awesome, man. Awesome. Well, we're, we're about an hour, so uh, I think, uh, I think that's, that we've reached about the time where I think uh, we, we should wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Do, you, uh, do you guys want to go ahead and give your social media or where people can find you, what websites and all that? Uh, Red Moth LLC on Facebook. Uh, I think it's Red Moth LLC on Instagram as well, uh, and probably Twitter. I think there's an underscore in one of them, but once you type it in, it should come up either way. So if you search for it, well, that's that's pretty much it. And then Close the Hatch is on all those same things, and it's just Close the Hatch. And yeah, very cool, Josh. You can find me on AshleyMadison.com. <laughs> For now, and then uh, now, uh, you know, uh, Josh Gwynn at Twitter, uh, Riffs and Rigs uh, Twitter. Uh, again, I've been equally lazy on that type of stuff. So, um, but that stuff should be coming back this fall. You know, I think again, kind of given the resistance stuff, uh, uh, doing it seasonally, kind of like a TV show for me is going to go good because I you have so many other projects I do. You know. Gotta keep going, but uh, Riffs and Rigs on Facebook, um, libsin.riffs and rigs, or is it riffs and rigs. I can't remember. Um, and then that's really about it. So nice, man. All right, guys, you can go follow Gym City Podcast on social media at Gym City Podcast. All the notes and everything from this podcast, all the links will be on gymcitypodcast.com. Uh, you can also go follow me on social media at The Easy Rock. Uh, I do two other podcasts well one that is going to be wrapping up soon but we'll continue on tells from the hard side uh, podcast called on the block with a guy who's also involved with Jim City podcast now uh, Scott Epic uh, our friend Eric has taken a walkabout so we are transitioning and who knows what you're going to hear from us in the next year but every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we release new podcasts for Gym City Podcast. Uh, as I talked about in the beginning of the podcast, Josh has really stepped in and taken a, a role that we, we needed. Um, if you guys are out there listening, if there's any students or anybody out there listening and you want to help out, nobody gets paid for doing all the stuff that we do for Gym City Podcast. But if anybody out there, if you know WordPress, if you want to kind of help out with some behind the scenes stuff we're always looking for people to help and if you're a band you want to have your stuff promoted 
you can contact me at Izzy at gymcitypodcast.com. That's the email where you can contact me. Same with those students out there if you want to volunteer and help out. Izzy at gymcitypodcast.com. Other than that, please go rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or grab the RSS feed off the off the website and go take it to your favorite place where you listen to podcasts. At the end of this episode, I will add something called Izzy's Homegrown, which is something I do at the end of Tales from the Hard Side. It features two artists from the Dayton area with two different songs. And so listen for that. Here it is. From my garden, brother. Homegrown. Thank you very much. Speaking of homegrown. Wednesday, created by Bad Andy on fizzbutton.net. Welcome to this edition of Izzy's Homegrown, featuring two artists from the southwestern Ohio area, but also focusing in on the Dayton, Ohio music scene. And this week I got a couple artists. One, in fact, is not from Dayton, Ohio, or from Ohio in general. This band is on Red Moth Records, which is my friend Stephen Barton, who does who runs Red Moth LLC. He plays in the band Close the Hatch, and he's a great dude. He's been on the podcast before, but Ghost Fleet is an rock alternative country band from Charleston, West Virginia. They're compared to bands like Drive-By Truckers, Wilco, Sunvolt, Ryan Adams, Tom Petty, in the band and you can go give their music a listen on reverbnation.com slash ghost fleet all right this band this song i have for you today is called jesus is from texas by the band ghost fleet Don't you come. 
Now this next band I have for you is a band called The Great Wide Open. And I interviewed these guys on the Gym City podcast and I was so impressed by them. And I know I have usually featured more heavier stuff on Izzy's Homegrown, but I really want to start featuring a wider range of music. And the band Great Wide Open, there's three dudes. And I was so impressed by them in general, but also just how good their music sounds. And I want to showcase them. I want to play a song called Oh My My from the album The Great Wide Open. Please go check this out. I really dug these guys. In fact, here is here is them explaining this song. This song is just tongue-in-cheek, just love song. I mean, it really has no no deeper meaning. It's just about making mistakes in life and in relationships and in love and realizing that in retrospect. And so the chorus lyric is, oh my my, this whole time I've been living half alive. Had one foot in, one foot out of line. Meaning you look back and you realize I was in the wrong there. I was right about that. And everything, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty in retrospect. And so it's just a little little tidbit. I don't know. And this one was, I, I had a lot of fun recording this one, especially the, the gang vocals and the, 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 yeah, the nonsense in between. Yeah. And the, I think there even might be some th- stuff that's kind of buried in the mix that was uh, just kind of thrown in. Uh, well, uh, the way it happened was it was just <laughs> Shelby. Uh, Shelby Mary is who we recorded this album with down in Gallipolis. And she was kind enough to keep all of the, uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? The ad, ad lib stuff, Ben, that you were just talking about, how in between songs you'd mess up a vocal track and just be like, shit, or like tell a joke or something, or just messing around. And so she uh, put a track together of all of that, and it was just the most ridiculous thing ever. So we started taking those out one by one and throwing them in uh, the this song. And <laughs> as I think one point in time I say I lost my shoe. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I have no I have no idea what that even means. Yeah. Yeah. And but I lost my shoe. Yeah. And I I don't know, maybe that is deep. Maybe you can dive into that and be yeah. like, you know what? Metaphorically I have lost my shoes. Yeah. Yep. A I lost shoe. my shoe many a times. A shoe. And that's even worse when you lose a shoe. Yeah. Because you're walking all lopsided. Have you guys ever just been walking down the road and seen a shoe on the sidewalk or something? Yeah, or on or on like 675 or something. Is that not like like <laughs> someone that? in such a hurry that they're like, I can't go back for that shoe. I got to keep going. Like, should you be concerned yeah. about this person? That's a very because good no point. No one seems to care. Like, oh, it's just a shoe. But it could be a lot. I think lot my more favorite morbid. part of that song is at the very end where Travis is just like, ah. I'm getting out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just sound so yeah. I think that was another <laughs> thing that was like, kind of. Oh, I got to get out of here. Yeah. yeah. It was that was that was one of the one of the better songs to record, and that was another early song. Yeah. I had that one before this band formed. It was just I recorded an EP on my own, and that was just one of them that we just kind of just kind of bled over to this project. And I think that it sounds really good with banjo and and all the. The folkier, and the key change, I guess, I guess it's a key change at the end of mm-hmm. it is definitely something that we've never done before. So that's that was your that's right there. yeah, like, that was interesting to try to pull off, especially because we decided to do it. I think we decided to do it in the studio. I think we yeah. had a version without the key change, if I'm thinking correctly, and then we decided to go and maybe re-record the ending. I can't remember, or maybe we just added it like the day we started recording the song but i know it was absolutely spur of the moment it was after the fact we i think the song was already recorded i think yeah and then we went back in and added the key change and the harmonica and stuff at the end which is always fun to do live because key change key changes are so impossible like to <laughs> yeah. me you know what i mean because yeah. i'm just a one track mind so if the song st- starts in one key and ends in another i'm, I'm you lost on. your shoe oh, yeah i'm hold- i lost my shoe <laughs> i'm holding See, on there for, you go i'm holding on for dear life man it came back in yeah i even think that part's in the key change yeah i lost my shoe it all right so it that, makes sense okay. we just figured it out there right. you go that's what it means breaking ground here, yeah man. i mean here just therapy session with our songs uh-huh. realization yeah we're becoming aware yeah uh, okay i think uh should we quentin tarantino this and like start at the end and come back to the beginning oh boy <laughs> yeah that would be that would be the best way to go I'm about not it. high enough for that <laughs> <laughs> this next song is oh my my and oh my my this whole time i've been living living half alive i've had one foot in one foot out of line and oh my my this whole time i've been living Living half alive, I've had one foot in, one foot out of line. My brother, sister, and I were raised like I Naturally, I was born, I was born to roam, so I ran far from home, yeah. Without a dime to my name, or a girl to call my own. 
This could be a while. All right. Hey, I'm Justin. I'm Jody. No, that doesn't work either. <laughs> now no, I know why nothing ever gets done in Hollywood. <laughs> hey, Jody. Yeah, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jody. Hi, Justin. Do you like guys with beards? Um, sometimes. Sometimes. What about bald heads? Most of the time. What if there are guys with beards and bald heads with just deep rivers of blue eyes that just say, I love you? I tend to marry them. <laughs> <laughs> now, what if they're just a genuinely good dude, too? Uh, I just friend them. Befriend them. Not befriend them. friend them. Not friend them. That sounds like a Facebook What about thing? be friendly with them? Not too friendly. Not too friendly? I don't know. Well, the Izzy Rock meets those requirements. He's bearded. He's bald. He's got those deep rivers of bluey, bluey eyes. You mean he's got triple Bs? Yes, triple Bs. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a couple podcasts that he does. I knew that. Yeah, Tales from the Hard Side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the Block with his bestest friend ever, Scott Epic. Mm-hmm. And then he also produces the Gem City Podcast, which is a local like artsy-fartsy type podcast in the Dayton, Ohio area. 
So well, who knew? Yeah, I know. I, I basically what I'm trying to say here is he's a good guy. You should go listen to him. Give him a, give him a shout out. And if you like his stuff, you know what? Subscribe to him on iTunes. Also, you can leave him a comment, rate, review, and subscribe. People, we'd appreciate it. And so would he. Yes, yes, he would. Oh, he's a, he's a dad too. So the Bad Parenting Podcast loves the fact that he's a dad. So that helps out. Dads also, are great. Dads are great. Two cool sons. See, good dude. Reason good kids. We need more people like him. I agree. So yes, yes. Listen, listen to Izzy's shit. It's, it's awesome. Agree again. All right. Well, until next time. Bye. Bye. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha! In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.